Broadcasting from the UNMC College of Nursing, get ready for RN Huddle, the podcast dedicated to bringing hot topics for and by nurses to the table. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to RN Huddle. This is your host, Heidi Keeler, coming to you from Omaha, Nebraska at University of Nebraska Medical Center College of Nursing. And as always, in this time of pandemic, we are now about one year into the pandemic, but we are still social distancing and we are recording our show as such. So as they say in old time radio, if you happen to hear any distracting noises, surface drops or volume changes, uh, you know that that's the reason. And we really appreciate your patience on that. Today is a very special day because we are going to talk about the combination of advanced practice skills and specialty nursing with population health and community population health nursing. So we have brought together our co-host Renee Pollan and Dr. Kathleen Healy, longtime UNMC faculty and practitioner here at UNMC and Nebraska Medicine. So we are so excited. Today, Renee is going to, to be very active in the show, and we certainly appreciate her expertise in interviewing our guest today. So, Renee, thank you so much. Take it away. Good morning or good afternoon or good evening. Today, we have a guest who is our very own UNMC College of Nursing faculty, Dr. Kathleen Healy. She's an outstanding APRN and has her PhD in neuroscience with a large focus in practice caring for those with multiple sclerosis since 1998. She has presented at a national level and has been immersed in an ongoing research to better understand functional measures and the neuroscience involving multiple sclerosis. Today, Dr. Heidi Keeler, host of RN Huddle, and myself, Renee Pollan, co-host, are here with Dr. Healy to discuss common complications for those patients diagnosed with MS and how to overcome these challenges related to access to home health care and preventable secondary complications. So welcome, Dr. Healy, to RN Huddle. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you. We are excited to have you and to learn a little more from you and your practice. Can you tell us first a little bit about your current practice and what it entails on a daily basis? Yes. So uh, just to let you know, I am a nurse practitioner, but this field is very pertinent for nursing as a whole. And so what we do on a daily basis is serve people with multiple sclerosis and significant disability. And we have defined that by meaning people who are unable to ambulate about five meters. So it's a clearly defined population uh, that is underserved. And what we do is we attempt to provide all aspects of care, comprehensive care, and work with their primary care as well as other subspecialty providers to reduce fragmentation and just increase quality of life. One of our main things on a day-to-day -day basis is preventing complications because as all of you know, uh, when there's immobility issues, we face a host of lots and lots of complications that are preventable, including infections, pressure injury, but that's basically what we do just to let you know. This is a complex population that is residing in the community, although we do serve younger people in nursing homes. 
that end up due to the effects of progressive multiple sclerosis, and they are a very, very underserved group. So what's really just wonderful during the pandemic is we've also added telemedicine and teleeducation. But, you know, again, our focus is to really serve and we're serving to empower these individuals with MS and significant disability. Absolutely. Very much needed your specialty. And from the sounds of it, when reading your article in the research you've done, it sounds like you're still continuing on with that research that was very successful. And so for our listeners, this article was very eye-opening and such an impactful initiative that Dr. Healy and her team implemented. And this article is entitled Multiple Sclerosis at Home Access, an Initiative to Improve Care in the Community. So with this article, like you mentioned, the difficulties that patients with MS endure can be debilitating which then coincides with the limited abilities to make appointments or even obtain access for transportation. What other barriers do you see limiting access to home health care and services in the community within your practice? Well, there's all sorts of barriers. You had mentioned the transportation issues. So that becomes a very pertinent problem when people can't get out. Over time, we've developed this really deep understanding of these individuals' challenges. So if they can get out, many times they arise five to six hours early and prepare. If there is paratransit involved with many um, people, at least in our community, don't have paratransit services, so it becomes even more challenging. What we also have seen is that in the community, you may have several different home skilled nursing agencies. And generally, because this disability is really complex, and I hate to like magnify things, but it really is. It's just a different sort of central nervous system disorder. And unlike a fixed spinal cord injury, it's progressive. So because skilled home health care agencies generally are not you know, trained in specific issues with neurology patients, um, that's also a challenge. Communication is a challenge, especially if you're not in a system where, hey, I can call our home health care agency and talk about our patient. So that's challenging too. So you have different silos all over the community that attempt to serve people uh, with this magnitude of disability. Housing is also an issue. <laughs> so when we look at community, kind of those barriers that are there, there are numerous. Housing is a huge issue. I, I can give you an example. You know, we, we've gone to areas in our city that tend to be more low income. So those issues for individuals are magnified. We had a visit to someone who had duct tape around their windows and the cracks in their walls. And oh um, the furnace wasn't um, operating during certain, a good two months during the winter time. And It's very difficult to serve. So what we attempted to do is possibly uh, move this individual who was just wonderfully independent. I mean, really independent. So we attempted to say, hey, you know what? How about Salvation Army until we can get things fixed up? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, (laughs) the issue was it was difficult to get her into the Salvation Army because she had a significant disability. And they really are not necessarily with that degree of disability, we're able to do that. So anyway, that's just one example of what we see in the community. So when identifying these barriers, 
that they were up against. Is this what led you into the initiative of that two-year home access program to help overcome? Can you explain to our listeners? Yes, Renee, definitely. So what, what happened is, um, just to let you know that this program is called MAHA, M-A-H-A, and it means MS at home access, but it can mean a whole lot more. But MAHA is the name of the Amer- uh, Native American Indian tribe that settled in this area in Omaha, Nebraska. And the word means against the wind, against the current. I mean, where we live is flat, it's windy. Um, we've got the Missouri River to deal with. So we thought that that word captured what individuals with disability, this magnitude of complex disability faced. Absolutely. I thought it was fun history to know of that name. I've lived here all my life and I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really neat and definitely yeah. Yeah. depicts those challenges. But to, to answer your question, I actually, believe it or not, after I got my research degree in neuroscience, I was more of a, my area of interest was MRI and functional measures. So it was really fairly medical related research, but clinically we were without a director for the MS, what was section at the time. So I kind of stepped in clinically and then we finally got my uh, division chair in, in 2008. And she's wonderful. I mean, if y'all work with physicians who really recognize the value of nursing, and it's huge because we, we kind of approach things differently. So what happened during those years where I was kind of independent with some general neurologist as backup, we just noticed all these gaps in care for people with significant disability. For instance, my clinic appointments were 40 minutes long. And that may sound like a lot to you guys, but it isn't when you're dealing with really all the issues that come up with people with disabilities. So as time went on, it was very, very clear that this group of people with multiple sclerosis and significant disability were very, very underserved. So my division chair said, so what do you want to do? And this is when we started. We actually wrote an R01 formatted uh, grant to the MS Society. But you know, what we do is messy, it's complex, it's hard to study. And nursing is such a huge piece of that. The kind of essence of really what makes things work is a productive interaction between the patient. Every time we have an encounter, including phone call clinic, is really to make that stick. So whatever is in the plan of care, we want to empower the patient It's difficult to put it like in nursing. I'm, you know, I was uh, raised in all of these models and, you know, self-efficacy is important, but it's, it's a little bit different with this group of people. So that becomes a very interesting challenge, but usually, usually not always a person with disability has a person usually. And if not, sometimes we try and get them a person. And that's really an advocate, somebody who has their back. It can be a spouse. It can be a family member. So anyway, that becomes very important. Just to let you know, you guys, we use that Wagner's chronic illness model, which also takes into account the bigger piece like community and home and all sorts of things like that. But so this Maha model, and there's a great diagram in your article but I see that 
obviously a multidisciplinary care team is very important for individualized patient care. So I was interested to hear a little bit more about the MS comprehensivist. Yes. Um, and because it sounds like having that on having that person on the team with prescriptive authority is a lot more specialized. What exactly does that entail? What's so what's different with their authority? That's kind of part of the essence of this program. So comprehensivist means that the, you know, it could be applied to any um, complex chronic illness, I think. So the comprehensive piece is basically my nursing background, my nurse practitioner background, and the IST is the specialty area that we're serving. And in our case, it's MS and neurological disabilities. So comprehensive IST. If you want to maybe describe my role on this team, I'm the quarterback, basically. And my people out in the community, which we talk to on a weekly basis, are the wide receivers. And our nurse coordinator, who is amazing, she's our center and our running back. (laughs) So I've likened it to a football team. You know, we're from Nebraska. So, but the comprehensivist, depending on what area you're in, it it doesn't have necessarily have to be a provider. However, with this group, what we did is we sat down and we mapped out the needs and we did two years of house calls and we knew, well, we don't know what people are going through, but we better understand. We have a deep understanding. So the comprehensive IST seemed to be what we needed as somebody that had prescriptive privileges that was able to write prescriptions when needed quickly. It's important that in these complex chronic illness states, in my opinion, that you have that comprehensive perspective. And so the comprehensivist is probably the most key piece uh, because that ends up being the quarterback. Now, it doesn't have to be a nurse practitioner. In a homeless population, it could actually be a social worker. So it's different. If you read the article, it, it goes into it a little bit more in depth. So Dr. Healy, this is Heidi. And, you know, I just keep thinking about something that is a theme that is in what you've talked to us about. And that is the, the identification of problems before they occur. Absolutely. And in the literature, it's talked about as in failure to rescue. And so if you had not intervened in your, in your story about going into the home and finding, you know, duct tape on the walls and, and on the windows and such, what would have happened? I think what I'm hearing is that by being proactive and looking for potential issues, you are alleviating a lot of pain and suffering in these patients. Heidi, hugs to you. I didn't know that rescue. I mean, I've been, you know, kind of out of theory base, but I think it's important to have concepts that really move us. And I'll have to look into that, but that's we, exactly what we do. We actually, we actually look a lot at that because um, as you know, it's, it's very difficult to quantify something that doesn't happen. And so with nursing, nursing interventions by de- design are to intervene before a problem happens. And so how do you quantify that? How do you measure the value of that? How do you put a worth on that? So that is where the origination of the phrase comes from. But unfortunately, it's very difficult to quantify and, and, to, and to get support for be, because oh. you don't know what's not going to happen I unless need. you're out there looking for it, right? 
absolutely, Heidi, I would like to talk to you more about this, but what we did in the article was what's nice for us is to, I talked about preventable complications and most of them are preventable and that's what puts people in the hospital. And in fact, when they have a big complication, like a big infection or a sepsis, um, that really brings down function. And with MS, it may not be attainable again, which is interesting. So we tried to quantify utilization. And when somebody goes to the ER, the hospital, I mean, that's a big, a big deal. And that's kind of like you have a glass of milk and every time you spill it onto the counter, you can't put it back in the glass again, right? That's exactly right. Brings to my mind, the medical model looks to fix problems that have happened, but a holistic model uh, such that the, the skills of nursing brings at both levels, your RN and your NP level, really is looking at the preventative and, and taking care of those problems, maintenance of health before it degrades, right? Absolutely. That's exactly what it's about. And then health maintenance with this group is neglected as you can only well imagine that mammograms, pap smears, you know, those sorts of things when it's like, you know, sometimes there's this perspective, oh, they have so much disability, let's not put them through that. However, you have to ask the person. I mean, ask the person. And it is really difficult, like a colonoscopy at the age of 50. If it is really difficult, then we work to see, you know what, can we do this? Can we do coloplast? Can we do? So it just takes like, it's a big puzzle. I must say that that IST on a comprehensive IST, we've defined that. So as far as our staff, minimum requirement is two years in working with MS because it is so complicated. Thinking about what skills one would need, what, what are the skills that are different in this type of work for nurses that are interested in what you're doing? What, what would you give them as far as advice? Well, I would say, first of all, if you're not interested in chronic illness, don't do it. This is relationship-based and it can last the rest of both of your lives. <laughs> when looking at the MAHA program in the article, it appeared that with that program, education increased with families and the patients because time was allotted more, especially with house calls. Is that correct? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Was Sounds that like right? that would be a huge part of yeah. that. But you know what? It's, it, you have to remember, it's not just education. Okay? Right. So you're not just read um, this, read that, but it's really, it's kind of integrate. I don't know what you guys would call it, but it's really, you know, all of our people are educated to a certain extent, but it's like, how can we help them to make it stick? And it can be, you know, obviously including their person, but it's also different. Like many a time we've had people hospitalized who with MS, you can be blind too due to optic neuritis. And so we've had people come out of the hospital and said, well, they gave me these papers and I can't read them. So it's really patience. And then also it's follow-up. Our people know that when we call them, we're going to ask them, have you had an infection? Have you had this? Have you had that? So we integrate all of that kind of education we give them in the beginning. When you see that all come together, it's quite amazing. And the education piece is just flows through it, if you will. <laughs> if that in any way makes sense, we do have some 
teleeducation too, where we bring on not more than eight people that have issues. And then we kind of have a little 15, Renee Stewart did this at um, mm -hmm. UNMC when she was getting her nurse practitioner. So we kind of present education and a lot of our stuff doesn't come from the MS area, it comes from paralyzed veterans. But anyway, so we present that and then we leave 40 minutes for them to kind of discuss it. And, you know, how would you do it? How, well, how do you do it? And it sticks. So it sounds like the evolution of the Maha program was your department chair and the team looked to see what kind of gaps there were in this population and noted that the gaps were, were occurring outside of the clinic, right? And so uh, your, your team made the decision that you are going to set up a program by which you, with your advanced practice nursing skills, yeah. we're going to go out and really do assessments, do education, and, yes. and then take back whatever information that you had and, and create individualized assessments for each of the patients. Does that sound accurate? Yep. That sounds, well, it does, but I just want to let you know that the creation or the development of this program was from a nursing perspective okay so I work with my division chief who is amazing and who agreed and I pointed out the gaps and she was totally on board so to think that it originates from a medical model it doesn't have to it's interesting. It also looks like there was a lot of collaboration on this. I, I notice a lot of familiar names in this collaboration too. Yeah. You know, what we do is more, I'm in an outpatient clinic setting, but what much of the focus still remains acute and in the hospital, but the community is actually where this is at. So it sounds like it's, it's also, when we talk about nursing skills, we've got nursing, advanced practice nursing, population health, community health nursing, yes. really a, a, just a nice eclectic set of skills that are needed in order to take care of the whole patient. Absolutely. And if social workers are needed, which we don't have a lot of, but what's interesting as this developed and we had our care plan oversight conferences what happened is about a year after having these conferences with the community, with our physical therapist or social worker, we were like, oh, you know what? I know how to do that. I, I know how to, to really make an initial assessment on a power mobility device. It's called like a transdisciplinary approach. So I, I know what the social worker does or a community person. And I don't know. It's kind of cool. Anyway. <laughs> Well, Dr. Haley, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners Thing you want them to walk away with? Yeah, I mean, it's to support this program or to sustain programs like these are the challenge. And I think five, 10 years will be more into value-based system can work for or against us. But what, just to let you know, if any of you are thinking of this and it's really rewarding stuff, it's probably the future. But currently, we had to be creative, and this doesn't fit well into some of these grants, but we have our community behind us. So we have community donors, and we guard their gifts with our lives, too. And we want to make sure it goes to what they are people, to empower our people. It goes to the mission. But if any of you get into this, I mean, it's, it's great. It's not a job. It's a career. And it I think it's almost like a different field. You have so much knowledge in this 
broad social work and public health and you that just happens naturally thank you so much yeah and we would love to talk with you more about this topic but we better stop here and (laughs) we appreciate your time with us today and should be very helpful for our listeners in their own settings Right. And I'm glad to know that we've got nurse advocates out there taking care of some of our most vulnerable patients. Okay. It, uh, it's a, a feel-good moment for me, Renee. <laughs> and, and thank oh, you, Dr. Hi. Healy. Thank you, well, thank you. Thank you. It's all good. When we know you, you know us, big things can happen too. So that's good. All right. Well, RN Huddle will be sure to link Dr. Healy's article for review. It is very interesting. And maybe our listeners can implement a few things from these findings. We appreciate this time and appreciate all the efforts and research you have completed to help better serve our patients with MS. Thank you once again. This is Renee Pollan, co-host of RN Huddle, signing off. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much, Renee. Thank you so much, Dr. Healy. This has really been enlightening. It is very interesting to see new models of nursing and what is possible when we look outside the medical model box. We know that failure to rescue is a real thing and that nursing can play a very big part in preventing catastrophes medically and maintaining health status. We know that as we continue to to look for new models and ways to support our medically underserved, that we need to think out of the box and and try and, and look at new ways of doing things. And so thankfully, we were able to take a look at one of those today. We certainly appreciate our co-host, Renee. We certainly appreciate our guest, Dr. Kathleen Healy. And we certainly appreciate you, our RN Huddle listeners. Thank you so much for staying with us today and can't wait to see you next time on RN Huddle. Thank you for listening to RN Huddle. To stay connected, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at UNMC CNE or check out unmc.edu slash CNE for more program information.